a crowded hall lined with lockers, a crumpled schedule I cannot read, a classroom to which I arrive late for an exam already underway. This was a familiar stress dream for me before I began church work. A friend of mine recently shared one of her dreams and asked others about theirs, and not surprisingly, clergy colleagues shared their church-related stress dreams, showing up for service unprepared, not having a book of common prayer, not knowing whether it's a funeral or a wedding or a Eucharist. These are our stresses, right? (laughs) But in our waking and in our sleeping, we carry our anxieties. And if your heart is racing from the mere thought of a stress dream, I invite you to take a deep breath and remember that you are a beloved child of God. You can lay your burdens before the altar, leave your worries, and take up God's love and assurance. Taking to heart Paul's letter to the Philippians, hearkening to the nearness of Christ and that peace of God would guard your heart and mind. Claim, claim God's love for you and own God's claim on you. Rejoice in the Lord always. And maybe that's all you need to hear today. But I imagine there are some who may still have that parable from the gospel lesson running through your mind and and a God king who cast an innocent recruited guest to outer darkness is its own kind of nightmare not giving much confidence in a benevolent God, let alone doing anything to calm any sort of anxiety. Our parables over these last three weeks have escalated, to say the least, and the parables hinge on responses given to a person in charge, the sons to their father, the tenants to the landowner, or the town to the king, corresponding to family, the business, and the city. And all the while in these parables, Jesus is responding to the leaders of the community he's in. The chief priests and the elders question Jesus' authority, as Evan reminded us last week. And what Jesus says to them apparently strikes a nerve because they wanted to arrest Jesus, and now they're going to entrap him, and we all know how the story ends. But what is so threatening? What is so radical and revolutionary about what Jesus is saying to elicit such a response from those in positions of power? Jesus came to flip the tables, to show a new way to bring power to the oppressed and to lay low the oppressors. And as righteous as that sounds, no one is inclined to give up their power willingly. It's better for them to silence the voice of the dissident. And what is so threatening to us that we are not comfortable with the parables for today? Even in the parables, imagining slavery and killing and torturing brings to mind aspects of our history that we're still working on telling the truth about, let alone reckoning with. Yet I venture to say the deeper truth is similar to the uncomfortable message given to the chief priests and the elders, that there is an authority and it's not ourselves. We would rather choose what we want to do on our own terms. 
We arrange our priorities and whether our idols are represented in gold or flags or any other material object or words that end in ism, our comfort tends to abide in what is familiar and what is known. We might dare anyone to tell us otherwise. And if Jesus says that the kingdom of God is where we can be cast into darkness for just showing up with the wrong garments, forget it. I don't need that kind of stress and judgment in my life. But neither Jesus nor our holy scriptures are written solely for our comfort. For parables with such vivid images, it can be difficult to get at that deeper meaning, especially in a way that is actually encouraging to our faithfulness. The parables convey that greater truth, and for the third week in a row, we're given the significance of doing the will of God. The violence in today's parables carries with it tremendous energy, and in the story, the violence arises out of the disordered obedience at a larger and at a seemingly insignificant scale. Notice that all the guests responded with a choice in whether or not to attend and whether or not to attend in the appropriate manner. Everyone had their own agency, and there's clearly an authority to obey or not. And if, like in an icon, we can see beyond the image before us, maybe we too can find the reign of God as the one that calls us together toward eternity. And in that community, there are expectations. Expectations that demand our full obedience, that demand our complete surrender. And not all our stress dreams are while we are sleeping. Waking, we have the headlines detailing war and destruction and disorder near and far. Have we so failed one another and God that there's no hope? The more we learn about history, truths revealed met with the realities of today, we're inclined to wonder if anything will ever change. We might rather extinguish the voice of the one calling out to choose a new and radical way rather than reorient our whole lives attuned to a new command given by one who claims us as heirs to everlasting life. About five years ago, Patrice Conkoolers, co-author of When They Call You a Terrorist, a Black Lives Matter memoir, spoke as part of the Distinguished Lecture series at Crystal Bridges. And at the end of her lecture in the Q&A, she spoke about imagination, saying that as long as we can imagine a world that is different, if we can imagine a society of love and respect and honor, then there is hope. If we can imagine, then we can create a way, and essentially we can be the change we want to see in the world, to borrow from Gandhi. And if you're one of those people who can't quite picture a different reality vividly in your mind, that's okay, because it is in our relationships with one another that we share our hopeful dreams for the future and make those practical, tangible, actionable plans and steps to get there, building toward a future where we quite simply love one another. And the hard parables, like any hard truth, touch us at our greatest vulnerability, which is more often than not our ego. I navigate my life following my agenda that brings me the most comfort, if not pleasure, 
And those stress dreams come at me hard and heavy when my control is out of whack, or at least my sense of control. When my comfort is overthrown and I'm venturing into uncharted territory, whatever that may be. And for Christians, however long we've been baptized, however long we've been believers, that uncharted territory can be following the will of God. As the life of Jesus reveals to us, following God's will doesn't promise comfort and security all the time in this world. Praying faithfully, thy will be done, means for us doing the inconvenient right thing when we'd rather not, working for the benefit of others, not just for ourselves, and being prepared to show up as needed, offering our best. And sometimes it means praying without ceasing, while others think that we are doing nothing. What I continue to learn is that it's not my made-up expectations that matter as much as what God has created and as much as what God offers. God gives us this life. God offers the promise to be with us, waking and sleeping and for time everlasting. God shows us through Jesus Christ what we can scarcely comprehend about life and love and salvation. God guides us through the Holy Spirit, which we feel and hear and know when we get out of our own way long enough to let our guard down and let God's love permeate our being. God invites us into wholeness, into holy order, where our joy can be made complete. This is the God who invites us. This is the God who calls us. This is the God whose claim is written on our hearts with a dream for our lives and to whose banquet we humbly come with that peace that passes understanding. Amen.